0: Hello, and welcome to Science Unscripted. It's Connor here. And Gabe. We are going to read some of your emails. We do this sometimes. We got a lot of emails recently. Thank you for them. And they're on a variety of different topics or kind of on no po- no topic at all. And that's mm-hmm. one, one of them here. Came from a guy named Daniel. And he said, good to hear from you about your origins. He's referencing to this uh, query or this question, request we'd received. For some bio. Yeah, a little, little bit about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so we gave that. And he said, I, I listen Wednesday on KSFC in Spokane, Washington at 3.30 a.m. while buying a cup of Dutch bro- Bros or Dutch Brothers, I think is what it's called, coffee on the drive to work. Thanks for the science, Daniel. Daniel, that is a really early, early? Yeah, he's getting up to go to work. Really early time to yeah. be listening to our show. But where where we, is Spokane? Um, Eastern. Or, I would have said Spokane. I think people from outside of the state of Washington would would say that. Yes. Um, yeah, Eastern Washington. Uh, I, I'm I think the the largest city in Eastern Washington. Going out on a limb here, saying that without actually checking it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, nice to know that we're on the radio there, even if it's straight up in the middle of the night or uh, super early morning. Another public radio station
1: in the United States. I had no idea we're broadcast on. Yeah, yeah. So, Thank you, uh, Daniel.
0: So everyone else
1: uh, listening on the broad on public radio in the United States, let us know where you're listening from. No, it actually does help us. Every, yeah. every, everyone, tell us where you're listening from. It would be, it'd be great to know.
0: Yeah, and if you think it's odd that we don't know that, it's because the public broadcasting radio stations, they choose from a pool of different radio broadcasts, and so we don't always know when they've chosen us. We don't have any feedback from them directly, so it's kind of nice to hear from you.
1: This one's from Sherilyn. She is writing from Berlin. She says she's a regular listener from Berlin and that she would love to see if she can have a trip to Bonn sometime because uh this is in response to us inviting you guys to come here and visit us.
0: That offer is open. These doors are revolving. We do have, well, no, actually the first set of doors you need to get buzzed in a couple times, high security. That's right. To get into Deutsche Welle, you can't just walk in. No, but we can get you in here and walk you through those (laughs) highly secure doors. yeah. Yeah, we can do that. And we will. Because we like people. We like meeting new, random people, especially if you've traveled to this part of Bonn, Germany just to see us. That's cool. Yeah.
1: Sherilyn also says, also to say, wow, Gabe, your voice has changed since the news days. Oh. So part of that bio section uh, last week, I, pl- I played a clip of, uh, of me reading the news back 10 years ago or something like whenever that was. You didn't even get to hear it. I put it in after we did the broadcast. And then when I heard, so, which heard that, which is why you
0: didn't react to it, I was uh, I was appalled. You, <laughs> Hi, my name is. This is Gabriel Bord, and I'm doing the news for. for day- <laughs> you you sounded like you were channeling every word through your nostrils. That, that's what it sounded like. You you were. We were was, taught to do it that way. Okay, that was not. The, I went that, through
1: newsreader training. Uh, I'm not going to mention any names, but I went through the training and I was taught how to read uh, with gravitas.
0: This is Gabriel
1: Borod <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's not gravitas. It's it's something different than what you are, than the Gabriel Borod I know.
1: Well that uh, was the point. You were supposed to be someone of you course. aren't you aren't. Look, anyone objective who's objective
0: anyone who's familiar with radio uh, knows that um, there is some affectation. <laughs> Typically, I don't think you and I do much or any of it here, or we try not to. But yeah. before, when especially if there's a script involved, hello and welcome to Science Unscripted. My name yeah. is Connor Dillon, coming to you from Bondur- That's We that's, have a
1: great show today. Stick around for, it, I don't know for what all the
0: greatness. It's going to be a great time. Yeah, if it's supposed to make you sound more reliable, more authoritative, more yeah. informed. That was something that people used to be either explicitly trained to do, or you copycatted, parroted other people who were doing it. We do our best not to do it anymore, and if, if you catch us doing it, please call us out. We don't want to do it, but, yeah, Gabe, you, uh, you, you sounded a lot different there.
1: Well, thanks to Sherilyn for, for, for that compliment. <laughs> I took that to heart. Thank you.
0: Thank our you. next email um, comes from Denman Island. And if you don't know where Denman Island is, I didn't know either, even though it's not that far from where I grew up. It's just off of Vancouver Island. And if Google Maps is any, uh, any indicator, it looks gorgeous and isolated in a good way. And this is from Laura, and she says that uh, she listens to us regularly, and her email is about bug decline. This was a German study talking about a decline in the level of insects in forests. Um, in southern Germany, here mostly, and it connected to earlier research about the massive decline in flying insects uh, that was also research done just north of us here in Germany. And she said she's been noticing this herself on this island, Denman Island in Canada, and she said that there, there used to basically there used to be so many bugs fly, uh, flying over the water that they referred to them as air plankton, like plankton flying up in the air. Mm -hmm. And they were thrilled in summer when we reached that golden hour when the sun gets low and you can see the air filled with thousands of insects. Uh, It's clearly noticeable that there are way fewer now than 15 to 20 years ago. The sad thing is that a food chain is only as strong as its weakest link. Our bird population is very reduced here. We're not getting our morning chorus. And it would seem that without bugs, so many migratory species are arriving to a bare cupboard. So much pressure on so many parts of our complex planet. Love listening to you both. Cheers, Laura. Thank you, Laura. Yeah, that visual nice Yeah, that visual is one I reckon. In fact, Gabe, two years ago, yeah. y- you and I went on, we inflated some river rafts. Yeah. and went floating down the river and i I underestimated how long it would take and that as the sun started setting you could see the, the the bugs over the river and I'd never thought of that in a romantic way i I noticed how it looked like we were about to get bit to death by mosquitoes and um I kind of didn't want them there yeah I'm not sure I like bugs as much as Laura does well I must I
1: must say that they're they're pretty annoying not instinctively but I think the more you but, the, the way she says it, the, she makes it very clear how important they are. Right. And that was beautiful. Well, and a, a
0: necessary part of the food chain. The plankton. Yeah. The air plankton. Yeah, for all these, other, all these other animals that we also love. Mm-hmm. So thank you for these emails. Was that it, Gabe? You got another one? I got one last one from Steve, Steve J, on uh,
1: life expectancy. We, we, we talked about a study last week that said we're going to be living way longer and this guy, Steve, said that he couldn't help but chuckle, given his familial math. He writes specifically how my late grandfather smoked himself to death in Berlin at the age of 39. Wait. Well, and late late
0: grandfather? Oh, he was a grand... Okay, I get it. Grandfather had already had the child, who then ultimately had Steve. Correct. So Steve, Steve never really met the... Gr- okay, gotcha. Correct.
1: correct. Yeah, so his grandfather, who is who was no he, longer yeah, here. Yeah. yeah. And then his, his, his late father managed to make it to 78 smoke two packs a day, right? So twice his his father's age, so thirty nine and then seventy eight. And then he goes, Based on that, I logically ought to live to a hundred and flipping fifty six. That's what he wrote. Hundred and flipping fifty six. And I've got to start smoking. <laughs> oh, no.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not sure you've drawn the the correct conclusion from that research, yeah. Steve, but I, I, I like the math. I mean, that's what the research was, pure mathematics, that if you follow the curve upward and extrapolate on what we know now, that that's the age.
1: Life expectancy is going up, has been going up for the last four generations. And it, based on the, st- the statistics that that university was looking at or those researchers were looking at, it's going to continue going up till around 140. In certain instances,
0: it, people are going to be living till 140. Yeah. Soon. A lot of, lot of questions about what that would look like. Uh, we're going to go it, jump, I guess, a few years back in history now, 50 years exactly, to the year 1973. Whoa. It's, we're, we're, yeah, a lot of people haven't realized this. We're in the middle of a 50-year anniversary here. And uh, it's of a paper published in Nature that might not ring any bells. It's called Image Formation by Induced Local Interactions, colon. Examples employing nuclear magnetic resonance. This was the birth of the MRI machine. and uh, 50 years ago. 50 years ago, this paper published in Nature, taking a technology that can be used in a lot of ways. It's not just for medicine. Um, a lot of physics you can do with it, but applying it to medicine. And for anyone who has spent time in an MRI machine or has had a loved one who has incredibly useful... Right. Yeah. They use very, very powerful magnets to basically take a look at the soft tissues inside of your body. X-rays are great for hard things like bones. MRIs are great for soft things or liquid things. Yeah. And they can look look inside. You can discover tumors. You can look at organs, see if they're damaged or not. You can see sprains or strains. Yeah. My mom has trigeminal neuralgia. She goes in for MRIs all the time Yeah,
1: to yeah. check out what's inside the, t- the top of her nose, essentially the, the nerves between the nose and the eyes. And you can do that with an MRI machine. And I went into an MRI machine. That's what I was going to (laughs) say.
0: And had your brain scanned not long ago. That was an fMRI, checking how blood was shifting within Gabe's brain Mm -hmm. over certain periods of time. That was connected to research where they could basically recreate the image people were looking at just by looking at fMRI imagery of their brains. Another episode. Anyway, so 50 years ago, that was sort of unveiled or slowly released to the public. Huge huge benefit to medicine, Um, but it's not that accurate, or it's not, if if you think of it in terms of pixels, it doesn't go very deep. So uh, there is- 50 uh, years ago. 50 years ago. So what has just been published, and this comes from Duke University, is a a kind of exaggerated headline, but it's it's, it's worth thinking about, is um, MRI technology that is now 64 million times sharper, than what we're all familiar with. 64 million times sharper than the typical MRI equipment that you would, that you would see in a hospital. Duke has th- come up with this. Duke has come up with this. And to put that, to kind of vig- visualize that, I guess, I don't know if you know of the game Minecraft, Gabe? I do. I've it's never played it, but I've, I've heard of it. Blocks, basically. You're stacking blocks upon blocks, blocky trees. Everything kind of, kind of looks like Legos. Tetris kind of thing? Sometimes. Yeah, it does. And so basically, if you were to take 400 blocks and run them in a row, mm-hmm. uh, horizontally, and then 400 blocks again, and run them vertically, right, and you've got a big square, and then you make a cube out of that. So another 400 blocks on one, you know what I mean? So now 400 by 400, yeah, square, yeah. Yeah. Cube. Yeah. That huge cube would have 64 million things in it, 64 million blocks, and that cube would be like one pixel, one cubic pixel. That's what an, an MRI today can see, that big thing. Yeah. The new MRI can see each of those 64 million blocks. That's how much more um, accurate Detail, yeah. or detailed it is. And so um, this will wow. obviously, it, yeah, it, it might sound like, how do I put it? How is it, it and how is this going to be used Same in the same way? We don't know yet. And it, let me put it this way. In the same way that 50 years ago when this technology first came out, it was probably boring and what i'm talking about now is boring fundamentally it's 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 technology for medicine but it has changed so much and helped us learn so much we're n- nobody's really sure yet what the new mri machines are going to actually do for us or what they can do But uh, the big field is neurodegenerative diseases, which is a word I hate. I think it should be called NDDs because I can't pronounce it. But basically what you'll be able to do at a much, much, much smaller scale is analyze over time how brains, I mean, they're looking at mice right now, but how brains change over time and which regions of the brain end up changing or deteriorating. That's actually kind of the fundamental factor there. Uh, Brain-wide connectivity, that's how how they frame it one of the quotes here and this was in the press release put out by duke it's from g allen johnson the lead author of the new paper he it actually goes back to aging He was saying that, um, you know, research supported by XYZ shows that modest dietary and drug interventions can lead to animals living 25% longer. So the question is, is their brain still intact during this extended lifespan? Could they still do crossword puzzles? Are they going to be able to do Sudoku, even though they're living 25% longer? So at the much smaller molecular level, they're going to be able to see where these connection or connectivity issues are happening. And that will probably lead to new medicines in the future. Wow, yeah, interesting that they've come up with this without really
1: knowing how it's going to be used. That's that's cool.
0: Yeah, it's why it's not. It's, it's, it's not, like
1: dreaming up solutions for without a problem.
0: Well, yeah, and it's it's the anti headline. I mean, they, they they did their best to make a headline out of this, and they kind of got it. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's the anti headline because it's it's what will cause other headlines in ten or fifteen or twenty years uh, as a result of this technology. It's just not you know the biggest news right, right now.
1: Well, here's another anti headline for you because nobody. I don't think. Very many people out there right now care about COVID-19
0: vaccines, but... I think a lot of people want uh, to never think about it ever yeah, again. Yeah, exactly. The so, I got.
1: Well, a team at, at Penn State has come up with a new T-cell vaccine. Now, the vaccines that we took and that most people out there got were mRNA vaccines, and they were focused on antibodies, right? Just the spike protein. This vaccine was focused on T-cells and different sites on the SARS-CoV-2 protein, right? And they, they checked it out in mice. And if these mice got the T-cell vaccine, 87.5% survived. They got a very big dose of of, uh, of SARS-CoV-2. If you didn't get the vaccine, 10% survived without it. So 9 of 10 died. So it, it clearly works. Why am I talking about this? Because this vaccine was created with AI. They created this, the this team at Penn State teamed up with a, a company called Evaxian Biotech out of Denmark and used deep learning, artificial intelligence, to dream up the SARS-CoV-2 protein to elicit the T-cell response. Hmm. So they, u- they, they used a computer to create a vaccine and it works.
0: That's, this is new. I remember back when BioNTech... Uh, working on its mRNA vaccine. Yeah. Uh, they, I believe, now that's now that's what I'm wondering. They came up with 1,000 potential candidates for that that vaccine. Meaning, you can take any part of the of the SARS-CoV-2 protein, in theory. Yeah. And chop a chunk of it off. Yeah. And say, look, this is what we're go- going to create through mRNA, so that the body recognizes this as an in- invasive thing. And but they, in- they had to focus on one single part, right? Well, they, they went from a thousand candidates down to like 20 and then they singled out the one uh, that ultimately gave it that weird name uh, BNT slash blah blah blah. So they, they humans um, went from this this tree all the way down to the one, you know what I mean? The one part yeah. that they focused on. And it sounds like here they're, they're using AI. They, yeah, they identified 17 different parts
1: of the SARS-CoV-2 protein or epitopes of the, of the virus and went at each of those sites to elicit what they call this broad T cell response so you've got not just the spike protein, 17 different sites so that the body has a, a, a larger response immune response to the virus if it if it uh, if it docks
0: Well and more capability if if the spike protein itself were to mutate, which has happened mm. right then, and other sections haven't mutated then it would have more areas to look at as potential targets to to latch on to destroy. Yeah. yeah, that's that's fascinating. I, if any of you are interested, you it, it's worth taking a look at some of the best visualizations, illustrations. I mean, they're not illustrations. They're generated with computers or renderings, I guess, of the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein or the protein in general. The closer you zo- zoom in, the wackier it gets i mean i know we're familiar with the spike we talk about it like it's a single thing mm. there are all of these multicolored shapes coming off it there are a lot of areas on that protein that you could you mm. could potentially target and it sounds like this is one way of maybe finding the ones that people don't tend to immediately latch on it's
1: just yet another instance of or an example of of how the the, the future of this kind of science is going to happen with computers there's no
0: doubt the question is whether that will Increase or decreased human trust In those <laughs> vaccines That that leaves me wondering Yeah. Well a couple of anti-headlines Or the the, the the science that didn't Necessarily make the news but that is Possibly newsworthy now or in the future
1: But some good emails so keep them coming
0: Yeah where Please. are you hearing this that, that was a good question on Gabe's end Where are you listening to this right now How, how did you get Science inscripted? Please let us know We're su at dw.com script. How long was that? We're probably that was a twenty, I bet.